Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Joining us for this conversation is BMP Paribas Asset Management Head of Sustainability, Jane Ambekshire. Jane, it's a delight to welcome you back to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. All right. As we said, we're getting back to basics with this one, Jane. What does it mean to be a sustainable investor? And how has that definition evolved through the years that you've been in the sector? Well, (laughs) that's a big question. I mean, I've been in the sector, I guess, almost 25 years. But I think that the industry has been around about 10 times longer than that. It was 250 years ago, so kind of late 1750s, when the Quakers Um, had the first kind of meeting where they prohibited members from participating in the slave trade. So that was really Mm -hmm. like the early awakenings of the industry. And of course, that evolved with, you know, within the Church of England. Um, You know, about 10 years later, they articulated, you know, the first tenets, I think, of uh, social investing as being that we ought not to gain money at the expense of life or by losing our souls. (laughs) Right? So those are some early (laughs) origins. You know, we mm-hmm. can fast forward to the mid-1900s when we had the first kind of socially responsible investment fund begin to launch. Mm-hmm. And then we had the onset of kind of shareholder activism. Uh, we had our first religious um, shareholder resolution filed by the Interface Center on Corporate Responsibility in 1971, requesting that GM withdraw its businesses from South Africa until apartheid was abolished. So there's a really rich history of sustainable investing. And it's, I think, really hard to say exactly what it means to any one organization because there are so many different elements to it. Um, in, you know, in 2006, we had the introduction of the PRI, which really tried, I think, to create some shape around it to say, you know, there are some basic principles around sustainability and around responsible investment that people can get behind. And I think for me, that was really the beginning of kind of the the modern era of sustainable investing, which really set us up for where we are today. I love a bit of a history introduction here on the the Greener Way, Jane. So thank you for that. And I, I love the the idea that you know the, the Quaker and the Church of England concept that you you don't invest at the risk of your own soul. I think the modern expression of that um, through the taxonomy in Europe and what's going on here in Australia, the phrase that first do no harm. Um, it's it's interesting to organize it around that first principle that the investment activities you carry out should first do no harm to people and planet is is a useful foundation to start on. How has the sustainable strategy specifically at BNP Paribas Asset Management evolved um, through the years, sort of recognizing sort of the historical and social and economic uh, forces at play? Well, you know, it's I joined the firm almost five years ago, really with the mission um, to help us evolve to becoming a fully sustainable asset management firm. So we really put into place a transformation program, which was all hands on deck, every part of the organization getting on board. So everything from how we attract and, and you know, retain our employees to the culture that we build, to the kinds of investment strategies that we offer, how portfolios are constructed, what we do and don't invest in, how we engage with the companies in our, our portfolios. So I think it's really been an evolution, but it's, it's really against this backdrop of really these kind of this rich evolution of all of the different tools that are out there. So there's not just kind of one component of the strategy, right? About not investing in certain things or only having strategies that invest in solutions or only doing the shareholder engagement element. I think what's 
What's interesting and unique about us is that we've really put sustainability at the heart of our culture, and we try to have it permeate everything that we do as an investor, as well as as an organization. It's fascinating for someone like me, um, sort of on on the journalistic side of the, uh, the equation, to see that you know when you take a term, as you say, like sustainable investing, and see how individual institutions adapt that definition to either meet what their clients are asking for or the circumstances of their own institutions internally as well. Um, and so specifically, one of the things that's always interested me about BNP Paribas asset management's approach is that you have a four pillar strategy um, where there's clear definitions around what the pillars of sustainability are. Um, and I wanted specifically to get into one of those pillars, um, responsible business conduct. Why is this one of the four pillars? Another really basic question. Sure. I mean, so maybe I, I should just touch on what the different pillars are for the for the listeners that Please. haven't fully studied our strategy, and then we can ju- jump into them <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> sure. Um, so, of course, you know, one of them is around responsible business conduct, and you know, coming back to the the Quakers' mm-hmm. first, you know, um, you know, objectives around articulating, you know, just a basic set of minimum standards of of what you expect, you know, from the companies that you're investing in. So. You know, we have a set of standards linked to the UN Global Compact, uh, in particular, and the OECD guidelines for multinational enterprises, which cover kind of broad corporate conduct around issues like the environment, human rights, you know, different elements that we expect to see companies in different sectors adhering to. And then we also have a set of guidelines by sector. So, you know, as we fulfill our net zero commitment, for example, we have specific guidelines linked to um, expectations around coal, both for the mining sector as well as for utility companies, um, as well as around you know unconventional oil and gas and a number of different sectors. So you know, thinking about the expectations that we have for corporate conduct, both in terms of corporate practices as well as the activities that an, an, an you know a company is engaged in, is of course a, a core pillar for us. But it's not, you know, it's not all that we do, of course. We have a much broader approach. So if we think about some of the other pillars, you know, stewardship, how do we vote? Mm -hmm. How do we engage with companies? And how do we, you know, advocate uh, to policymakers around the expectations and and helping to, you know, put the framework in place that will enable companies to, you know, thrive in an environment where we see, you know, more focus on providing investors with the kind of information that we need to be able to make well-informed decisions. Uh, and to create, mm-hmm. you know, those right frameworks and and create, you know, an even, you know, even playing field for for corporate. So stewardship is a big part of what we do in terms of engaging directly with companies, in terms of working in partnership with with peers, other asset managers, asset owners through initiatives like Climate Action 100 Plus. So really engaging with the largest emitters around the world to ask them to develop net zero aligned business plans and, and, you know, provide investors with climate relevant disclosures. And we've recently been involved with, with some peers in launching Nature Action 100 Plus, which is a similar initiative, but focused on, on nature, on nature loss, deforestation, biodiversity. Um, so, you know, stewardship is a really important part of what we do, both in terms of engaging with companies, but also engaging with policymakers. ESG mm-hmm. integration. Mm-hmm. So how do we integrate the information that we might get from companies or from other sources into portfolio construction, into assessing individual company performance and building building different portfolios. So ESG integration, I think, is a really just kind of, you know, housekeeping element of, of just sound investment management, making sure that you're 
playing with a full deck of cards in terms of how you're analyzing different risks and opportunities that present themselves to different companies. And I think, you know, in, in 2021, we saw the introduction of the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, or SSDR, in Europe, um, which has been really transformative in terms of, you know, pushing for more disclosure, mandatory ESG disclosure kind of obligations for asset managers and other financial market participants. Um, and it has really, I think, put an increased focus on that. And because we've done quite a lot of work in advance of, of that to really make sure that ESG-related information was available to all of our investment teams, integrated into portfolios, that's led us to a position where you know, something like 90% of our, our open-ended uh, funds are classified as sustainable under SFDR. Uh, so those are, you know, mm-hmm. three of the pillars of our approach. So, you know, our responsible business conduct strategy, our stewardship policy, our ESG integration policy. And then the fourth one is what we call our focus on the future. Um, and, it, you know, the three E's, we call them. So really the strategic focus areas that we as an organization are kind of pivoting towards. So the first E is the energy transition and includes our commitments under the Net Zero Asset Manager Initiative. The second D is around Mm -hmm. environmental sustainability and the work that we do on biodiversity. We have a biodiversity roadmap. Um, We're doing a lot of work around deforestation. And the third D is on equality and inclusive growth. And uh, that's a topic that we've been working on and we'll be launching our um, equality and inclusive growth roadmap at the end of this year. Oh, excellent. Oh, preview of things to come, Jame. I look forward to having another conversation with you on, on what that roadmap looks like. That would be great. Yeah, look, and I appreciate you outlining each of those four pillars because in the coming weeks, we're going to talk with other of your colleagues around those specific pillars and how that actually gets reflected in the investment decisions that they make from their particular um, their particular roles. So uh, stay tuned, listeners, as we go even further into those four pillars as and the way that BNP Paribas Asset Management um, uh, implements them as part of their sustainable investment initiatives. Um, But specifically around responsible business conduct, um, one of the things, again, that really interests me as I'm digging into what authentic and real-world impact sustainable investing means is the ways in which businesses live and implement on those values, um, particularly in, in terms of investment choices. So can you elaborate a little bit more on how those principles play out? You know, it's it's a really interesting spectrum when you think about articulating your expectations for companies, right? How do you define responsible mm-hmm. business conduct? And, you know, where is the, the firm line where, you know, a company crosses it and there's just, you know, an organization that we may not choose to invest in because of X, Y, or Z? And then where mm-hmm. is it that an, you know, an organization may be flagged by, you know, some of our research or some of our data that we get from research providers? That may be a cause for concern, but lead us then to engage with an organization. Um, and there are instances mm-hmm. where, you know, we, we do engage, of course, and where we get more comfortable with what an organization or what a corporate is involved in because perhaps they haven't been disclosing well or they're in the process of improving things or through investor engagement, they, you know, take on a new approach where they're committed to improve their practices in, in a particular area. And I think that it's it's really important to be able to stay invested in those instances and engage with companies and push them to evolve and change in a, in a positive direction. So one of the things that I think is, is really interesting and, and takes us a lot of time internally sometimes is to figure out, figure out you know, where do you draw that line? Um, where do you mm. feel that you have the confidence that you can influence an organization? 
Um, we're quite diligent in terms of articulating, you know, who is on a watch list as opposed to on an exclusion list. Um, why? Mm-hmm. How do we articulate that rationale? How, how long do we give them? You know, it's something that we bring back annually to our sustainability committee, which is chaired by our CEO. Um, so it's something that we take quite seriously. But I, I do think it's both kind of an opportunity and an obligation not only to think about what are the expectations that you have, but also think about how you can use your influence to push forward positive change, um, as well as, you know, of course, in some instances, just walking away. That that walking away piece, the full suite of tools available as a as a steward of other people's capital. Um, again, it, it's a very interesting uh, it's a very interesting suite of discussion, um, and it's interesting to see the ways in which investors are um, using those tools. Um, I'm thinking specifically, referring back to the top with the Church of England, the the decision that the Church of England Pension Board made recently to divest um, from certain companies because it's just incompatible with net zero ambitions. And so, realizing that re- the possibility, but the responsibility of of you know what those tools of stewardship stewardship are. Yeah, and look, I think you know, not there's no there's no one right strategy out there. You know, mm. we have clients that have different perspectives, different approaches, and I, I think mm. you know when you think about you know in 2021 as well, we had the introduction of of GSANS, right? So the Global Finance um, mm-hmm. Alliance for Net Zero, which I think has some more than 500 organizations committed to net zero under different umbrellas, right? So we're part of the Net Zero Asset mm-hmm. Manager Initiative. There's the Asset Owner Initiative. There's the Banking Alliance. And different, you know, different individual signatories are taking on their commitment in different ways. Um, you know, arguably mm. some are doing it with with more strength than others, but you know, some choose to fully divest, some choose to really engage, some are really focused on investing in solutions. I mean, what I think is really important is that the overall direction of travel is consistent and that people are using Mm. all of the different tools that we have and that the message is coming across. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I I think that, you know, all the headlines that we see about the different types of strategies and people kind of flexing their investment muscle in the direction of of net zero, Mm -hmm. you know, is pushing us along that pathway. And, you know, there's no one perfect strategy, but I do think that organizations do need to have a strategy and it needs to make sense for who they are as an organization, how they're structured, what their time horizon is, what their investment beliefs are, and, you know, who their clients and and beneficiaries are. And I think, you know, as we've really kind of evolved into our strategy over the last five years, we find that we are attracting more like-minded clients and, and working with investors that have a similar vision about the opportunity to tackle sustainability risks at an individual level, at a systems level. Um, and it's it's been a really fun journey, you know, to kind of build that, you know, build that kind of patchwork of, of approaches and, and, you know, focus in the same direction. Mm, agreed. And then finally, Jane, um, you know, what are you most passionate about as we come to the end of our time? Uh, you can hear very clearly, you know, how, how passionate and involved you are in these considerations, but re- what really stands out for you? Well, look, you know, it's a good time to ask that question, actually, because we've been dusting off, you know, oh. our strategy as we think about our next kind of three-year plan that we're we're looking to launch mm-hmm. later this year. But, you know, some of the kind of short-term priorities are, are one, you know, really about our culture. And by, you know, evolving to becoming a sustainable investment firm, it, as I said, it's really been all hands on deck. You know, every member of our executive mm. committee is involved. Every piece of our organization is involved. 
And I think that that's something that we could see more of in the investment industry, mm-hmm. you know, more organizations kind of walk, focusing on walking the talk, right? In terms of mm-hmm. what are we doing around our own operational emissions, around educating our own staff, you know, our own staff on, you know, the science of climate and biodiversity and really engaging people in their communities and, and trying to really walk the talk and live up to the expectations of what we're asking companies to do and and how do we you know attract and retain talent through really kind of living that culture so that's one of our really important priorities and and something that i think is is really kind of unique another one is really being focused on being science-led and transparent in what we're doing on Mm. you know net zero on the sustainable development goals on how we're interpreting you know the definition of sustainable investment and the eu taxonomy in our sfdr implementation approach so we're very focused on you know being transparent, putting things on our website, looking to collaborate with peers, with academics, with industry bodies, um, you know, things like net zero, you know, we shouldn't be trying to compete around this. We should be really looking at, you know, how can we be true to the science and, and focused on kind of collective um, approach to thinking about methodologies, you know, sharing data and information. I think that's a really important element. And then finally, just mm. continuing our path with kind of bold stewardship. You know, I think we voted against management something like 37% of, of the time through the 2023 proxy season. And look, that's not to say we don't always agree with management, but we have very clear principles and policies around what we expect to see on topics like um, climate-related disclosures. We introduced biodiversity-related disclosure expectations for the first time this year, board diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, you know, a very clear voting policy, and that's something that we we implement, right? And it really helps us to open the door and engage with companies we're investing with um, on a number of different topics. So those are really, I think, critical things that I'm excited about kind of continuing the work. Um, the next kind mm. of the next frontier that I think many of us, and, and I'll leave it here, is, is just kind of getting more involved with um, emerging markets where, you know, we know that the vast majority of incremental emission reductions um, that we need to see in the coming decades need to happen in emerging markets. And, you know, many large investors like us have really significant footprints and organizations um, across numerous countries. And, and we've been working really hard to make sure that we're integrating well with those teams, that we're, you know, undertaking joint engagements with local companies, that we're sharing data and information. And I think, um, you know, to me, that's the really next exciting area to focus on for the next couple of years. You've heard it here first, folks, a preview of things to come at BNP Paribas Asset Management. You've been listening to BNP Paribas Asset Management's Head of Sustainability, Jane Ambett Shear. Thank you for your time and looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allenbackis. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License. 
and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.